You're listening to the Sewing and Grown podcast and radio show with Jay and Jay. Welcome everyone to the Sewing and Growing podcast. We have our guest today, uh, Mohammed Amin Faridi. Did I say that okay? Yeah, that's good. Uh, is it? It's not Iran, is it? <laughs> it depends. <laughs> it is Iran, correctly. That's what we call it. But uh, some people call it Iran. I actually ran. I had. I ran. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so if you didn't notice, we do have a guest, our first international guest on the Sewing and Growing podcast. And this this one's going to be a little different because it's just me with our guest. Unfortunately, uh, Jonathan could not join us today. So this is a new all-around podcast with just John and my friend. Is it okay that I call you my friend now, brother? Yes, of course, brother. Um, Mohammed. Do, is it, do you like to go by your full name or just Mohammed? No, Mohammed is fine. Just Mohammed, mm-hmm. okay. Uh, I understand the whole Iran and Iran thing because my last name is Piccinati. So, tutti a tavola mangiare. I'm Italian. But I'm not Italian. And a lot of people say Italian, but it's not Italian. It's yeah. Italia. Italian. Italian. Yeah, classic. So, uh, we had the awesome opportunity to hear you last night. Mm-hmm. And you shared a wonderful testimony of how you went from jihad to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I've already spoken enough. Would you mind just sharing a little bit about yourself and give a brief description of your testimony? Of course. So uh, I was born and raised in a Muslim family. Uh, my mom is a uh, dedicated Muslim. And um, as a boy in a uh, family of three, I was required to follow and fulfill the Sharia of Islam. Sharia means the way. In uh, the Islamic law, so Islam has a way of fulfilling this law in order to uh, please God. The God of Islam uh, is a God that is in heaven, is distant from his slaves. The, mo- the second most common name in Islam is Abdul or Abdullah, means the slaves of Allah. Wow! First one is Muhammad, which is the uh, self-claimed prophet of Islam. Mm-hmm. And the second uh, most important name or most common name is Abd. Abd means a slave. Interesting. So um, this God that has that is a slave owner. So and, and the slaves have to perform and work in order to please the slave master. Mm. Or he's going to be upset with you, throw you in hell. I was seven, six, seven years old. One morning, I was praying to Allah <clears throat> in Arabic, of course, even though. Uh, we're Persians, we speak Farsi, we're country of Iran, but the God of Islam only accepts and understands Arabic. Wow. Imagine you have to learn another language in order to communicate to God, otherwise he won't accept you or accept your prayer. So <clears throat> you do your salats, your prayers in Arabic. You memorize two chapters of the Quran and you recite them back. You just... Um, uh, you don't know what is the meaning of it. You're not required to know what is the meaning of it. You just um, you're learning memorize. to say the words and just say them back, not knowing the meaning of it. Absolutely. You're just repeating that it. That doesn't matter because uh, the belief is that this is a holy book, and the holy book, if you put it in your mind, you will not burn in hell. It will protect you from burning in hell. Mm. So you do that. What language in another language? It could be. Imagine if. Um, and ask an uh, English person that comes to church, you need to learn Italian. 
in order to pray and the service needs to be conducted in Italian or in Latin, any language. And then the man that is standing in front of you, he tells you what is in the book. Mm. He will tell you. You don't need to touch it. Imagine when, I, when you touch the Quran, the, the most sacred script, uh, uh, literature, doctrine in the, in the Islamic world, world is the book that is called the Quran or the Quran. And in this book, if you want to touch it, you have to wash yourself. Seven, seven parts of your life in a ceremonial way because you're an unclean, unholy person and this is a holy book. So Satan in his all his strategies and deception knew how make it difficult for you to not touch the book or read it hmm. because Muslims are reading this mumble-jumble called Quran and they're becoming atheists just by reading the meaning of it. So you're saying the more people read the Quran, mm -hmm. the less they believe in what it teaches. If they read it in order to understand the meanings of it. Oh, because they may be reading it and reciting something they have no idea of what it even means. So to not get far from the subject, uh, Muslim wor world prays and worship the Arab God, mm -hmm. the moon God, the God of the Mecca. The God of the Kaaba, the God of the Saudis, the 7th century Bedouins. Imagine 87% of the Muslim world do not speak Arabic. Really? 87% don't speak the Arabic? world does not. The first biggest country is Indonesia with the biggest population mm -hmm. of Muslim. Second is Pakistan. Neither speak. That's, and then you add India. You have about 70% of the Muslim world. They do not speak any Arabic. So imagine these people every single day, they show up to the mosque. They show up to the shrine. They show, show up to the place of worship. They gather together. They face the Mecca in their prayer rugs, repeating prayers that they do not understand the meaning of it. Could this be compared to if I had to read the Bible in the original Greek, the New Testament, and I could only pray towards Jerusalem? Mm -hmm. And if I wanted or desired to have it in my own language, God doesn't want to hear it other than in the language no, it was God already God doesn't written. understand. God doesn't accept it. But wow. it's not only reading it in Greek, because that uh, uh, you, you, you could misunderstand. You are not reading it. You may read the letters, you may read the uh, sentences, but you're not, you're understanding. There's no understanding of what you're it. reading. You're, you're, you have taught the alphabets without learning the meanings. Sir, I never knew any of this. So, I am praying, going back to the story, I'm a child praying to Allah in the morning, and I do my prayers, and I'm like, you know, child, kids have questions. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, what the heck am I saying? <laughs> right. I don't even understand what I'm saying. So I go to my mom, you know, mom, can I pray to God in Farsi, in my mother tongue? My mom said, a good Muslim does not ask questions. A good Muslim submits, surrenders. The meaning of the word, the literal meaning of the word Islam means surrender, means submit. Mm. 
It doesn't mean peace. I know that in the West, I know people are screaming, CNN and Fox. And, it's a peaceful and religion. In, in, in the White House, everybody is screaming, Islam means peace. Google the word. The word means submission, means hmm. surrender. The people came to the self-claimed prophet of Islam in the 7th century. And they said, we want to be Muslim. We want to be your followers. He said, no, I don't want. I want you to surrender. That's the meaning of this religion. They don't need anybody to understand what is going on. What is, I just want you to be another slave mm -hmm. to me and to my religion. And I can control you. That's all it is. So in that kind of environment of absolute, utter ignorance, you're growing up. And my mom is telling me that I'm, uh, to be a, in order to be a good Muslim, you need to submit. You need to surrender. The good Muslim, she said, does not ask question. If you ask question, and then she quoted me the Quran, chapter 5. I think it's verse 101 or something like that. I can look it up. The verse says, if you ask question, leads to hesitation. And hesitation leads to apostasy. And apostasy is punishable by death and you're thrown in hell. So she scared the hell out of me when I was six years old. Mm. She said, you cannot ask questions. So from that moment on, I surrendered to this religion. I didn't want to go to hell. I was scared. Mm. So I just did as they told me, and I continued. And uh, that was my growing up. And uh, right where, uh, where we lived, right next to our home, where Shia Muslim Iran is a majority Shia country, so the Shia sects is uh, the sect that follows the blood. It's your bloodline? The bloodline. The Sunnis say uh, there are two major sects in Islam, Sunni and Shias. Sunnis believe anybody could be the leader. Anybody could follow and become the uh, Muslim caliph, Muslim leader, the person that leads the Islamic world. The Shia says no, there is a birth and blood right. Does that go all the way to Ma Muhammad, the prophet? Uh, Theoretically, uh, theoretically, so uh, the 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 self claimed prophet of Islam never had a son, hmm. but he uh, his daughter or adopted daughter. That's an, another argument there that because um, he had many wives, we had he didn't have children. So that's another um, uh, not a very clear point in Islam. But um, his daughter uh, marries his cousin cousin is his name is Ali and then Shia believed that Ali because had some sort of a blood connection mm -hmm. he is the uh, he's the right man too. interesting and then uh, we follow this track this trace of blood all the way so that's the Shia Muslim and then uh, in uh, those figures the cousins his son grandson of the self-claimed prophet and all of that those people are really important people so when they died in various fight against one another, of course, it's family feud, it's power feud because they needed somebody had to follow and 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 uh, and lead this uh, Muslim world, this this uh, Islamic jihad. Somebody had to lead it, but who's gonna lead it? Who's who's a bigger tribe, better mm -hmm. tribe? And they fought one another, but they got killed in various wars but their death is very important because 
according to the belief, those people, because they have bloodline, blood relationship to the self-claimed Prophet of Islam, they are sinless. So they are the mediators. They are the intercessors. So when they die, when they died, uh, we Shia Muslim, 14 centuries later, we commemorate their death. It's like it just happened yesterday. Wow. It's that important. But And we mourn in their death. And the belief is, if those people, uh, those imams, those son-in-law, the, uh, the, uh, the cousins or the grandsons of the self-claimed prophet of Islam, if they are pleased with you because they have a special place in paradise with mm-hmm. and a special relationship with Allah and His Prophet, they um, can actually intercede for you and forgive your sins. So we mourn for them. And and uh, right next to our home, there was this um, man that was a religious man. He was very rich. And then he held those ceremonies. So I would just walk out of uh, our home to their home. And then um, it's the time of mourning. So we self-flagellate, we, we beat ourselves to pay for our sins. Mm-hmm. And, and the the harder we mourn in those self-flagellating uh, uh, ceremonies, in those, that means that person, that inter- intercessor, that medium, look at me, I'm doing all of this for you. I'm beating myself, I'm cutting myself, I'm shedding my own blood, I'm shedding tears for you. Please, can I have favor with you that you have favor with Allah? When I show up at the day of judgment, can you be the intercessor to forgive my sins? Wow. So those imams almost take a place in a warped way in a different religion, almost kind of like Jesus does, mm-hmm. of they a sinless person. Yes. Interesting. Yes. Wow. Thank you for explaining that, because most of us just think Muslim, but there's a big difference between Sunni, which mm-hmm. is the majority of the Arab world. Mm-hmm. And then, majority of the Muslim world. Yeah, Muslim world. Mm-hmm. world. And then Shia is predominantly in Iran. Predominantly, but the countries surrounding Iran, such as Iraq, Afghanistan, some of the Pakistan, uh, Yemen, and uh, some part of Syria, Azerbaijan, they have uh, a lot of Shias. But the main hub for Shia Muslims is Iran, and then after that, Iraq. Okay. Well, I'm sure some of our listeners are going, wow, how did he get to Jesus? Yeah, exactly. So um, I'm trying to please God, and I'm trying because this uh, the God of Islam uh, has a scale. If you perform good, you may get a chance. If you don't, you will burn in hell. So I'm trying to earn points to put it on the right side of this scale, which is the good part. But I'm so uncertain. You don't know how 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 many uh, pounds of good work I did today, or how many pounds of bad good bad uh, deeds or work I did today. So you're always uncertain about the future, what's going to happen, and then these ceremonies of self-flagellations, paying for your own sin, doing penance, cutting yourself, all of that you you don't know. You're still in an unknown state. That. What would happen to my future? What would happen to me after death? And then there are so many. I remember I listened to a lot of tapes about after death experiences and the frightening things that could happen. They call it the um, the tombs or the graves uh, uh, judgment. 
So when they put you in a grave and there's tapes about the grave shake, shakes and wow. these two demons appear. And it's amazing, the, the craziness in this religion, the, the uh, uh, occult that really it is and the stuff that goes on. So uh, I am so uncertain about it and I'm so I'm, uh, diving deeper and deeper in Islam. And then, and then uh, when I finished my uh, high school, it's mandatory to serve the country for two years. I was part of the Revolutionary Guard of Iran, a terrorist organization. And then during that time, they taught us that the, uh, the only way, the only way that you could guarantee your place in paradise with Allah, it is martyrdom to lay your life down so in you jihad. That's the only way. You're living your life in uncertainty, fear, and torment, wondering if your good works can outweigh your bad. And they say the only way you can be sure is to give your life up that is it. in that jihad. That is the only way. And that is not the radical way of thinking in Islam. That's a normal and accepted view. I want you to understand that is not the radical way of thinking. Because we're peddled that, that by the media. That That's, like that's just a small radical. Yeah. That's the exact same stuff. A good Muslim, a Muslim that believes in his in his his doctrine, in his teachings, martyrdom is the way to paradise. Wow, that's a good Muslim. Like we have Christians that they're oh man, go to one once a week we go to a church or blah blah blah, and they think that will uh, get him someplace. I uh, I always I'm in amaze. Some sometimes I talk to random people about are you a Christian and they tell me, I don't know. I I think I was maybe I they don't they can't tell you because they have to find works mm-hmm. to say, okay, if I do it I'm Christian, if I'm don't do it. Well, I went to church a, growing up and that mm-hmm. work proves I'm a Christian. Yeah, or I was baptized when I was a child. True. So but a good Christian is who? That's yeah. That's up for debate. So, is a person that reads reads the word of God is a born again, is um, serving his church, mm. goes on mission. So, a good Muslim is a person that believes what the doctrine says. A good Christian is a person that believes what the doctrine says. The doctrine says the only way to paradise is jihad, is laying off your life in a war to die. Mm. So, I'm I'm trying to please Allah. I'm trying to, I, I want to make sure that He is good with me. Wow. We're in, we're in, and then they tell me this is the only way. I have no other option. I was after I was finished with military service, I came back home and I'm praying to Allah, give me the opportunity. I want to die for the sake of Allah. I wanna, I wanna go up the ladder because the ladder to paradise, the ladder that you climb to go to paradise in Islam is jihad, is war against the infidels. I've heard that jihad is predominantly an inward battle of some oneself. So when jihad, that's not really the best interpretation to think of terrorism. Mm -hmm. It's the inward battle that we could compare to being the flesh. Is that a true assessment or is jihad very external? Imagine imagine, uh, if you don't have the Holy Spirit. That is your helper. You have a demonic spirit as a Muslim, because the Bible is clear about that. When you're in, not, when you're not in Christ, you are a child of rebellion. You are a child of Satan. Disobedience. 
that is that is what clearly so imagine you don't have a helper as a muslim you're separated from god and now you want to lay down your life for god you need to struggle you need to fight yourself because death is not easy dying is not easy you don't want to die but the battle is overcome that fear as a muslim and that's the inward jihad there's two kind inward jihad first you fight that battle and you win it and then outward the, because they call it the greater and the smaller jihad the actual the greater jihad is the battle of struggling with yourself and then preparing yourself mentally and spiritually. And the smaller jihad is to wrap around yourself a backpack of bomb and kill innocent children or innocent people. So, Muhammad, am I hearing correctly that the goal of conquering the inward jihad is just so you can give your life in an external jihad? That's right. It's not to win an inward jihad so we live peaceably with all men. <laughs> Absolutely not. Wow. So when I was in when I was in the Revolutionary Guard of Iran, part of the training was they put us in empty tombs and graves during the night to fight the fear of death. That is a part of jihad. How do you prepare a soul? How do you prepare a mind that can that can face death and conquer it? Hmm. That was the that was the method. That was the uh, um, training in the Revolutionary Guard. So that is the meaning of jihad, a struggle. Actually, um, ironically, Hitler wrote a book, Mein Kampf. Mm -hmm. That word means my jihad, my struggle. Really? Yes. Never Look knew it that. Up. Yep. <laughs> Learning so much. Jesus is coming into the scene here soon. Amen. So I finished my military service, and I'm praying to Allah that gives, gives me the honor because I come from a martyr family. My uncle died. Two of my cousins died in war. So it's nothing new for us. We, we, were, we, we I grew up in a cultural war, a jihad, and martyrdom. And they kept, uh, they kept this culture of shedding of your own blood. They kept this culture of giving your life for a greater cause. And I, and I am a, a millennial, millennium. Uh, I don't work for money or power. I work for a cause. That's mm -hmm. who we are. That's what our generation is. So that was my cause to do that. And then um, um, one day, I don't know why, but I called an old friend of mine and um, he had flat feet. So he was medically exempt from the military service. And then. Uh, talking to this uh, gentleman about 15, 10, 20 minutes about what is he doing with his life and so on and so forth. And I realized this man has changed. I know I knew him since we were six years old. So uh, something familiar, but very different now. I'm like, what is, what is going on with this man? He is so mellow and so peaceful. And uh, we're in the country of Iran, in the city that I grew up, Tehran. And this man tells me that he became Christian. And uh, he truly, he truly put his life on the line. This is not figure of a speech. When he told that he left Islam for Christianity, that means apostasy. And apostasy is punishable by death. So this man truly 
put his life his life on the line to tell me that there is a better way. There is a there, there is there is something that can get, bring peace into my life too. Wow. And uh, on the other hand, also he really uh, wasn't afraid of offending me because in the West we hear about oh we don't want to be offensive we want to be Christians. Oh really? Mm. So now telling people the truth, telling people that you're on the way to hell is offensive to them? Mm. Hmm, that's interesting. But he really dared to offend me. That gives me the chance that I, I'll be saved. I'll be not damned for eternity. Mm -hmm. And I don't die for a lie. So, uh, this is a longer story. We uh, conversed about uh, two hours. And then um, at the end, he said to me, I couldn't, I couldn't hear anything. He said, I couldn't understand what he says. I was really emotional at that time. I was very zealous. And I was trying to correct him, but I had nothing to defend during that conversation. I knew that. Mm. But um, the battle with a Muslim is, is, is a battle with the identity. Because that's the, all they know, Islam. And um, he said to me, why are you upset? Didn't you ask me why I converted uh, to Christianity? I tell you the reason for peace and the reason that to, a change in my life is Jesus. I'm telling you this. And he said, this is going to be the last thing I say. He said that this sentence changed my life, by the way. He said, look, Jesus was bruised. He was beaten. He was caught. His precious blood was shed. He was crucified and he gave up his life. That you have eternal life. That is the one best thing I've ever heard in my life. Mm. Every lie that Islam told me, I have to do in order to gain it, to earn it. Every single lie was, was in that moment was exposed. I was beating myself. I was cutting myself. I was shedding my own blood. And ultimately I was going to lay my life down but my life was absolutely miserable the formula of, of me i can go and perform and gain all of this it made my life absolutely miserable mm. absolutely miserable i lived in hell when david says in psalm 23 i walked the valley of the shadow of death i know what he talks about because i walked the valley of the shadow of death I know what this smells. It has a shadow. You sounds like you did more than walk through it. You were living in I the valley in of the, the shadow. Of death. That is what happened to me. And when this guy told me, Jesus has done all of that. It's already done. It's already finished. He has already done it. It wasn't an intellectual moment anymore. It wasn't mm. a debate anymore. It wasn't something that just the truth revealed itself to me. And something pierced my heart. And out of desperation, I fell on my knees and I said, I want to have what you have. Wow. That was the moment that I left, or you could call it, God plucked me out of the pit of hell itself, which is the kingdom of darkness, which is another religion within that kingdom, which is Islam. He plucked me out of the kingdom of darkness. The amazing thing about the word, the word darkness, darkness means ignorance. Mm. That's the kingdom of Satan. The more 
ignorant you are, the better he's using you and controlling you. And that moment, God plucked me out of his, that kingdom, the kingdom of Satan, and planted me into the kingdom of light in his beloved son. Wow. That was the moment that everything changed. Muhammad, thank you so much for sharing your testimony and going into some of these details about the Muslim faith that we don't hear. We hear it from people who aren't Muslims, who've learned something in a college or school yeah. and want to share it. But you're speaking from someone from experience. And we like to end our podcast with something called the wisdom of the day. We try to boil everything down and Jonathan and I share our one thought that we take away from the day. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to give you an opportunity and however long it takes, but you do a lot of interviews and you share your testimonies mm -hmm. a lot. Is there something that you're not often asked or a final thought that if the listeners of the Sewing and Growing podcast with J&J &J could take away from you coming on this show, what would it be? The one thing is that um, you cannot perform to please God. God is pleased with you. I'm talking about the God of Christianity, the God that we call our Father. He's pleased because of the finished work of the cross, because He's pleased with His Son. And if you put your faith in the, in the work that was finished through Christ, He's also pleased with you. Praise God. And that's my wisdom of the day too. Just as you were talking from the very beginning, we hear a lot of this from the world and uh, I'm a youth minister and youth get this in world religion class and different things that really all religions are serving the same God. But the God that you described from the very beginning is the exact opposite of what I know my father God to be. I was just writing some things down. The unconditional love that's so known we don't actually know it in experiential knowledge, but we're talked about was so unknown to you. Mm -hmm. And you were encouraged to be afraid of God and to have that fearful, strong mm -hmm. relationship where we know that God has accepted us into the beloved. Amen. You were never offered anything other than uncertainty. That's right. And then where we're told it's, it's about a relationship. Mm -hmm. You weren't even offered a relationship. That was not something even attainable for you as a Muslim. And then where we're, really encouraged to seek after the knowledge of God, there was almost an encouragement to be ignorant of the things of God mm -hmm. because yeah. God doesn't want to understand in certain languages. Is that correct? All those statements and contrasts that yeah. I've made? Remember, the kingdom of darkness is the kingdom of their ignorance. Mm -hmm. So you don't read it. You don't need to be understood. You just need to follow. Wow. It's not the God of the book of Isaiah. Let us reason. Mm. Come and reason the, with me. Yeah. The God of the Bible says, let us reason. The God of uh, Islam says, stay ignorant. Stay ignorant. So, Which, when someone like me, a uh, blonde-haired kid that grew up in Colorado, uh, heard a lot of things from Iran, but never been there, never been around too many Muslims, it's easy for us who've grown up in the faith to take love, acceptance, relationship with God, the knowledge of God for granted. But we all can fall prey to a lie from the enemy that gets us to work in our own works, to get us to not embrace these things. And when we hear something that's so strong and black and white from you, I believe it's called to waken us up to the reality mm -hmm. that we all work, we all can rely on our own works, we all can walk in that mental torment that's if right. we don't lay hold of and lay tight to the finished work of Jesus. Amen. That is it. Thank you so much for sharing that so course. much. 
we always love to allow our guests to pray. Would you mind praying us out today? Yes, of course. Father, we bless you. We honor you. You're an amazing God. What an amazing God you are. That you think about us. You even carry our pictures in your wallet. <laughs> That's how much you love us. What an amazing God you are. You have created us in the image of your son. And you want us to be growing in his knowledge and become just like him. What a mystery. What an amazing God. What, a, what an awesome God you are. We ask you in the name of the Lord Jesus that you open the eyes of our understanding. That, that we may acknowledge what good things yeah. you have done in us, for us, and you want it to do through us. Give us knowledge. Reveal yourself to us. Thank you, Father. In the Lord, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, in the mighty name, matchless name, absolute amazing name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Awesome. Thank you again so much, Muhammad. We loved having you here at New Creation Church. That's our church. And so thankful that our pastors, Mark and Tasha, had you. And if you want to hear more from them, you can go to our archive and hear that message. Muhammad, you have a book that I read last night because it's only one chapter long. So that made it very easy. What's the name of that book? It's called Forsaking My Father's Religion. And you love what God has done so much in your life that you're, this is a free resource for people, yes. correct? Yes, if they go uh, to our website, it's called iranchristians.org, iranchristians.org. There's a tab right on the front page that says free book. If they fill the form, I will be glad to send a book absolutely free. And we have the book in Spanish in, and also in Russian and Korean. So uh, if they want the book, we'll be glad to send it to you in any of those languages. El libro en español. That's awesome. <laughs> Great to hear that. And they can probably hear more about what you are doing now on that same website, correct? Yes, they can go to our website or just if they pronounce correctly, I mean spell correctly my name on uh, YouTube, they can go to my YouTube channel, hear more of the story. and. Um, get to know what we do and uh, we would love to stay connected and if they if people that are hearing this podcast they would like to go to Middle East and work among Muslims uh, experience um, the mighty work of uh, the mighty wor work of Christ among the Persians and Iranians they would uh, they would love them to join us and go with us well, awesome. Well, there was so much more that we were even planning on talking about in this podcast. So when you come back, would you mind being a return guest on the Sewing and Growing podcast? Glad to. Awesome. Well, we're excited about that. And we're also excited to have you next week on the Sewing and Growing podcast with J&J. &J.